filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have. You're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book without all the BS. The more you learn, the more power you have to affect the world around you. This is the Cut the Crap Podcast. Never read a book again. And here's your host, Ryan Calajuri. What's going on, you guys? Thank you so much for joining me this week on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where week after week I'm condensing books down to their core golden nuggets, saving you time from having to read it yourself. That's right, I said books. First week I didn't say business books. And the reason for that is that, again, like I said last episode, over the holidays I had some time to really sit down and think about what I wanted to do with the podcast and how I want to add more value. And a part of doing that is just me stepping outside of the box that I've sort of put the podcast in. You know, week after week, I'm reading a book about marketing, sales, innovation, strategy, product development. I want to step outside that because I read other books. I don't just read books in those categories. I read books on health. I read books on philosophy. I read books about self-help. I read books on psychology. All these things, I think, can definitely apply to you as well. Over the holidays, I was really thinking about the podcast and saying, you know, do I really want to just have fun with this and share business books or do I actually want to drive change? Do I want to help you? How can I help you? How can I provide more assistance in helping you live, you know, your best life? As corny as that sounds, how can I play a role in your life? And the way that I see that is, you know, I read a lot. I take in a lot of knowledge. Um, I have a lot of experience in a number of different areas. And as we move forward, you'll learn that. And a big piece to that is, by sharing some of the knowledge, some of the knowledge that I have with you guys. And so I want to bring these books to you guys. And so that's why today for the you know first time ever, I'm bringing you guys a different type of book. I'm bringing you guys a health book, a health and fitness, a personal growth, self-improvement book. Eat, Move, Sleep, How Small Choices Lead to Big Changes. This book's by Tom Rath. Now, Tom Rath has got a great story, and I think it's important for me to share his story with you, share some of the insights that he has in this book with you. And I truly believe that if you listen to me through this episode and at the end of this episode you make one or two small changes not only are you going to see a benefit not only are you going to get some new knowledge but it's also going to benefit you benefit your life benefit your family benefit your work life benefit your ability to sleep perhaps your ability to just enjoy life better because not all these things exist in silos you know you don't just Go to work and that's in a silo. You have a home life and that's a silo. Your health is a silo. No, all these things bleed into each other. Your health, how healthy you are impacts your work life. It impacts your psychology. It impacts your, uh, your home life. So I know I've talked a lot already, guys, and I want to cut into this because Cut the Crap Podcast, it's all about just getting right into it. Enough jibber jabber. Um, but it's important for me to share with you guys how I'm evolving the podcast. You know, I want to incorporate more music into the podcast because I love music. And you know, I was watching a few documentaries and I listened to it with the music in the background and I felt different about the, the documentary. And so I look at this and I say, how can I create a feeling of emotion? How can I add more value, uh, make the podcast more enjoyable, uh, make it more relaxing, um, ignite some passion from you guys, inspire you guys by using music. Music is such an important part of my life and um, so for myself, I want to start incorporating some music as I share the golden nuggets, improve the uh, production quality of the podcast as well too. And uh, for me, all these changes, I believe are going to be positive. But again, I need you guys to tell me what you like. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like because I'm in service to you. 
I do this podcast for you. Yes, I do this for me as well too because I have fun doing it, but I'm doing it for you and I listen to all the feedback. So thank you to all of you who continually feed me feedback and you let me know what you like, what you don't like. Thank you to all of you who go on iTunes and you rate and review the podcast. I really appreciate that and I would highly encourage you guys to continue doing that because I read every single one of them and I really appreciate it. All right, but seriously though, enough jibber-jabber. Let's cut right into this one, you guys. Thank you so much, by the way, for uh, letting me talk to you guys for a little bit here, but uh, let's move on. So Eat, Move, Sleep, How Small Choices Lead to Big Changes by Tom Rath. So this book brings us some very simple tips to improve our health and well-being in some very important ways. The things Tom Rath shares with us, they're not complex. They're very simple things. And things that you know, but sometimes you just need to hear it again and again to reaffirm it and to remind you of the importance of it. And Tom Rath himself, he's got a very interesting story. When he was 16, he was diagnosed with a very rare disorder called... um, VHL, which stands for Von Hippel Lindau. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Essentially what that does, what VHL does, is it shuts off the gene that's in charge of suppressing tumors in your body. So what that means is it just leads to the growth of tumors and cancers throughout the body. How scary is that? At the age of 16, he's facing that. Well, I'm happy to say that, well, he didn't just give up. Instead, what he did was he fought and he took control of what he could. His diet, his ability to exercise, the quality of sleep he got, and all of these things helped him decrease the odds of cancer spreading in his body, and it helps him to continue to live a long and healthy, happy life. In this book, he writes about the different things that we need to consider in order to live a healthier, happier, longer life. And one of the things he pulls out of the book is that he found that researchers from the University of Gothenburg, they found that 90% of the population, that's 9-0, could live to be 90 years of age. Again, that's 9-0 by making some very important lifestyle choices. These choices, they'll increase your energy levels. They'll maximize your potential at work. They'll help you sleep better. All this by just eating right, starting with a healthy breakfast, exercising, and getting a good quality of sleep. So with all that, you guys, let's crack right into this one. Eat, Move, Sleep, How Small Choices Lead to Big Changes by Tom Rath. Golden nugget number one, move at work if you want to live longer. Now we realize the sensationalism of that headline, but it's true. In the book, Rath shares with us a 240,000 person study by the National Institutes of Health and found that adults who spend the most time seated have a 50% higher mortality rate. Even exercising for seven hours a week wasn't enough to reduce this. So if you sit for more than six hours a day, your risk of death increases at a rate similar to the risk of smoking or being overexposed to the sun. What's even more crazy about that is that your good cholesterol drops by 20% after just two hours of sitting. And what that correlates to is that you'll start burning calories at a rate of only one calorie per minute. That's terrifying, you guys. And every single one of us sit at our desks all day on our laptops. And the only time we get up is when we're going to go talk to somebody, grab a coffee or, you know, a donut from the break room, go get lunch or we're going to the bathroom. Other than that, we're not really moving all that much at work. And so this insight that Rath talks about, it really shines a light on the chronic inactivity that we're facing at work. Every single one of us, we're forced to sit in meetings, sit at our desk and back and forth, you know, sit in the car on the drive to work or sit on the subway or what have you. All this sitting that we're doing is killing us. It's slowing down our metabolism. It's making us fatter. 
And we need to change that right away. I mean, it's funny. We all sit here and we're like, man, I'm working out. I'm eating right and yet I can't lose this weight. Why can't I lose this paunch I got on my belly? Or why can't I lose these, uh, you know, these fat pockets I have all over the place? And the reason for that is maybe it's because most of your day, I mean, you know, the majority of your week, you're going to work, you're sitting. And not only that, but when you get home, what do you do? Huh? You're tired, you want to sit down, you want to watch TV. Maybe you're sitting down and you're eating, and then you're sleeping most of the time. How often are we on our feet? And that TV thing is true too. In the book, Rath also says that people who watch over four hours of television per day, they're more than twice as likely to suffer a major cardiac event. If you watch over four hours of television, you're putting yourself at risk of stroke or heart attack. It's making all of these things very real. These things that we take for granted. Sitting for crying out loud. I mean, how dangerous can sitting be? Well, I'm telling you right now, it's dangerous. And so, now what can you do? What can you do about it? Well, you can do what I do. It's funny. People at work, they laugh because in the middle of the day, I'll drop down to uh, to my hands and toes and I'll do push-ups. I'll pound out 50 push-ups just once every hour, I'll get down and I'll push out push-ups. You know, my heart starts beating and, you know, maybe start breathing a little bit heavier, but the blood starts flowing and I feel better and I wake right up. If you have the ability to do that, get down, push out, you know, 10 push-ups. You know, you might not be in shape, maybe do 5, 10 push-ups, doesn't matter how you do them, just do them. Maybe you want to do a wall sit for, you know, a minute every hour. Maybe you want to get up and you want to do 50 jumping jacks every hour. You know, maybe you want to just get up. Why don't you just get up and go for a walk? Go for a walk around the office once every hour. You know, just do a quick walk. And that walk is maybe five-minute walk. Time it. Set five minutes to go for a walk. If you're in a big office building, go to the furthest bathroom away from where you are. You know, park your car a little further away from the office. Take the stairs instead of the elevator. There's so many little things, small little things you can do that are going to contribute and make a really big difference. The problem is, when we do those things, you're like, oh, you know, people say take the stairs instead of the elevator. But really, come on, it's, that's not going to help me lose weight. No, that in particular, that one activity isn't going to help you lose weight. But you taking the stairs every single day, maybe you doing a set of push-ups, maybe you parking a little bit further away, all these things begin to accumulate. And all this good stuff is helping to combat all of the sitting that you're doing. The problem here is sitting. So you need to combat that with something else by getting in extra activity. Find excuses to get in extra activity throughout your day. Because if you're not, you're putting yourself at so much risk. You guys, this is serious. If you spend most of your day seated at work, you have a 50% higher mortality rate. Even if you exercise seven hours a week. That's crazy because you kind of feel like, hey, you know what? I'm working out. I'm healthy. Yet you're sitting down for the majority of your day. You need to really do your best to incorporate more activity, more movement into your work. And even small things, like if you guys have stand-up desks or if you have the option of having a stand-up desk, get a stand-up desk. That way when you're working, you can kind of move around. I have a stand-up desk at work. I have one of those ones you buy from Ikea where you hit the up and down button and kind of raises the desk up and it raises it and lowers it back down. I'm lucky enough to have that privilege at work. I know a lot of you guys might not have that ability to have that at work, and so you got to incorporate some other elements into your work to make sure that you're not sitting down so much. I stand most of my day at work, and yet I still do these things because I know how important it is for my health. Whatever you do, try to incorporate at least one activity into your day that you can do just to change things up. Get the blood flowing. Get the heart pumping. Get the lungs working. Maybe it's a walk. Maybe it's jumping jacks. Maybe it's push-ups. Maybe it's sit-ups. I don't know what it is. 
but try doing something. And you know what? When you do it, I can almost assure you that your other colleagues, your peers at work, they'll support you and they'll do the exact same thing as well too. Think about how cool that would be. Golden nugget number two. Whatever you do, do not sacrifice sleep to work. Now, there's a common misconception out there that people who sleep less, that means they're harder workers. Why? Because they stay up all night. They're dedicated. They're working their butts off. And so, wow, I commend them. They're really working hard. No, we got to stop that as a society. We need to stop that. I can't stand it. You know, it's funny. Uh, I love Gary Vaynerchuk, and Gary Vaynerchuk has really backpedaled it a little bit. But back in the day when he first wrote Crush It, you know, he really pushed it. And he says, you know, work a little later. Work, work until, you know, it's 9 o'clock to 2 o'clock. And that's, maybe that's an on-point Gary Vaynerchuk impression, but maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm not trying to make fun of the guy, but he always talked about, you know, working harder, working harder and, you know, spending more hours after the end of the day. You know, kiss your dog, go to work until 2 a.m. and get back to work at 7 a.m. That's how we usually started off. And then I remember an interview he had with Ariana Huffington where they started talking more about the importance of sleep and how important sleep is and how much sleep Ariana gets. And um, after that, Gary Vaynerchuk really started to clarify his position on that. And he started to say, you know, it's not about how much time you spend, but it's about how well you use the time you have. And then he went on to clarify that, you know, he gets on average, you know, six hours of sleep every single night, which I think is pretty good. Better than what most might have. And so for myself, I was included in that group where I used to think, hey, you know what? I'm working really late. I'm staying up till 2 o'clock. I'm waking up at 6. Man, I'm a hard worker. And I took pride in that. I really did. And it's kind of funny how you take pride in that. I don't know why. It just, you know, it brands yourself as somebody who works hard. You know, nose to the grindstone, burning the midnight oil, all that stuff. But all that stuff's bull. It's, it's ridiculous. You know, my younger cousins, they're on Snapchat all night or they're on house party with their friends and and they're up to 3, 4, 5 a.m. on house party, on Snapchat, just going back and forth. Frick, I mean, this social media, I mean, I love social media that it all has going for it, but it's bringing a negative side of things to young adults. You know, 14, 15, 16, probably younger than that. I don't know. I mean, my cousins are just around the 14, 15, 16 age uh, group. And, um, you know, it's impacted them negatively. I mean, I look at their Snapchats first thing in the morning and they say, running on two hours of sleep. I'm like, my God, man, you guys are still developing your bodies, your brains, everything's still developing and you're not getting enough sleep. Like people aren't valuing sleep as much as they should. And it's, it's a shame. But the reality is that the highest performing people, they actually tend to have a healthier sleeping habit, though. I mean, you might have heard of the famous study. We talked about this before. Malcolm Gladwell You know, it takes you 10,000 hours of practice to become brilliant at something. But let's look at the same study. The same study also found that the top performers, what happened with their sleep? They got an average of eight hours of sleep each night. By comparison, though, if you look at the average individual, they sleep around, you know, less than six hours on weeknights. Now, sleep is such a vital part to us achieving our goals, whether it's health-related. Whether it's financially, whether it's business, academics, whatever it is, sleep is such an important piece to the puzzle. And yet we're not doing enough to get sleep. Uh, I mean, it's tough for me to really talk about it because I never have a problem going to sleep. Never have a problem going to sleep. I close my eyes and in like two or three minutes, five minutes, I'm I'm out cold. I'm out cold. I wear a Fitbit to bed every night and it shows how restless I am when I sleep. But I'm not a very restless sleeper. I'm a, I sleep I sleep like a brick and I go to sleep really fast. So for me to talk about it, I'm kind of out of place here. 
but I have very close friends, people that are very, very close to me, and they have really difficult time falling asleep, or they'll lie in bed for three, four hours just looking up at the ceiling, wishing, praying that they can fall asleep for crying out loud. When they finally fall asleep, they wake up maybe two hours later. Then they just look at the clock and wait for you know their alarm to go off. So... You know, so it really is unfortunate. So if you're in that case, you know, you need to go to a sleep doctor. You know, take it seriously. If you're not getting enough sleep, go to a sleep doctor. Do some research and find out ways to get more efficient sleep. I mean, you got to get what's called REM sleep, rapid eye movement. And this phase of sleep is the most important part of efficient sleep. It's when your brain processes your thoughts, your memories, and it puts them into perspective for you. REM sleep, it also plays a very key role in overcoming difficult or traumatic events. So if you're trying to get REM sleep, maybe try out some of these strategies that Wrath shares with us. So the first one, try to limit your use of the snooze button. I know a lot of us like to get that bonus sleep. You know, you have to wake up at whatever, 6.30 in the morning to catch the subway. And, uh, you know, so you set your alarm for 5.30. You know, you hit the snooze button. Great, I got bonus sleep. You know, I'll hit the snooze button again at, uh, you know, 5.39. Great, I'll hit the snooze button again. I'll hit the snooze button again. And you time it so that you can hit the snooze button three or four times. Rath says that lots of us are giving ourselves an extra hour or half an hour of sleep each morning, but that extra sleep isn't useful if it's broken up every nine minutes. So set your alarm to go off at the latest possible time. Let yourself get as much sleep as you can, undisturbed sleep. Also, he suggests that you should limit your exposure to artificial light before you go to bed, because artificial light has a negative impact on your melatonin levels, which plays a key role in regulating your sleep cycle. So if you read before bed, use a small reading lamp. And let's be honest here, most of us aren't reading books. A lot of us are reading on our phones. So try not to go on your phone. Try not to watch TV. Try not to go on your computer before you go to bed. Or if you do, do what I do. And I think Apple, actually, let me take a quick look here. But Apple put on a feature here where if you go to your brightness, you can turn on night shift. So you put night shift on and... Night shift can automatically adjust the colors of your display at night to reduce eye strain. Cool, well, eye strain, but it's still pretty bright. It just kind of brings it more to a brownish hue. But lower the brightness on your phones, you guys. I mean, for myself, when I have my brightness up and I don't even realize it, I I look at that and I'm like, oh, wow, I, I feel more awake. Rather than if I turn my brightness down, if I turn it down a little bit darker, you know, I start to get a little bit more tired. That's a that's a good thing. That's what you want. You don't want yourself to be alert. And it's funny because, you know, I read this somewhere, and this isn't from the book, and I don't know if this is true or not. Maybe somebody can confirm this for me. But when you are looking at your phone, you're looking directly at your phone, the bright lights, what it's doing is it's telling your brain, wake up. It's bright outside. You shouldn't be going to bed. And so because of that, your brain is starting to activate. It's saying, you know what? I got to be up because I see daylight. It's bright. I see colors. And so because of that, your brain's active and it's not ready to go to bed yet. So just something for you guys to consider here. But, but in the end, research has shown that people with low sleep efficiency are 5.5 times more likely than efficient sleepers to develop a cold or develop a sickness. So you got to sleep more to better your performance. You got to sleep more to benefit your health. You got to sleep more to help you lose weight. You got to sleep more just to help your body detoxify. There's so many benefits to sleep and we're not getting enough of it. If there's anything that you get out of this one, you got to make sure you're trying to get that seven hours of sleep. There is no question about it. You have to do it. And last, but certainly not least, golden nugget number three. If you value your life, you're going to cut as much sugar out of it as possible. Sugar's a big one, you guys, and you all know this. Every single one of you know how dangerous, how bad sugar is for you. And yet we're so accepting of sugar. Sugar's okay. Okay. 
bull. Sugar's terrible for you. And I put sugar on the same level, the same plane as cigarettes. Would you give your child a cigarette? The answer to that is obviously no. What about a sugary snack? Of course you'd give them a sugary snack. You're probably going to say yes, of course. But cigarettes and sugar are more similar than you think in terms of the harm they can do to your body. Sugar is toxic and it's very unhealthy. It fuels diabetes. It fuels obesity. It fuels heart disease. It fuels cancer. I mean, I've talked to a lot of nutritionists and they call sugar candy for cancer cells. Because sugar accelerates aging. It accelerates inflammation. It accelerates tumor growth and all this stuff. All this stuff is killing us. And you know, one of the things that really bugs me a lot, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's kind of funny how we glorify and, and we, we make light of Coca-Cola. You know, Coca-Cola has such a positive brand. You know, Pepsi has such a positive brand and they invest so much into their marketing every single year. You know, the Coca-Cola and their fluffy, um, you know, polar bears are so cute or Pepsi and, you know, it's all about having fun and partying and Michael Jackson dancing and singing and what have you. And they work so hard to create this you know, very fun, very cute brand. You know, the latest um, commercial for Coca-Cola that's out in North America right now, it's that whole, um, you know, uh, they have that Avicii song, you know, hey brother, here's an endless road to rediscover. Like, I listen to that, I'm like, oh my God, like, I love the song, it gives me cold shivers, you know, and the brother's standing up for his little brother and they drink a Coke at the end. Like, it makes you feel good and connects you to the brand. What am I getting at here? What I'm getting at is that it's so funny how they're investing so much into this stuff, and yet this crap is killing us. This crap is killing us. It's giving us diabetes. It's making us fat. It's increasing our, our, our risk of heart disease, of cancer. And yet, all this stuff, it's just perfectly fine to put this bottle of Coca-Cola on the table and drink it with your family. The same crap that when you pour it into a glass and you put a nail in it, it starts to break down the nail. The same crap that when you pour it onto the cement, when you pour a, a Coca-Cola on the cement, it turns it black. And the next morning you wake up and you look outside and it's just dark and it's still dark. Why didn't it evaporate? Why does it leave this coating on the cement? This same crap we're putting in our soft bodies, our soft bodies that need this stuff, need nutrition for fuel. It drives me crazy how messed up our society is that we are just so accepting of some of the most sugary drinks out there. Like, God knows we get enough sugar. The average person consumes their own weight or more in sugar every single year. There's so much added sugar in processed foods, which, by the way, is all unnecessary. It's all just there to make your food taste better. It doesn't have any nutritional value, and it's dangerous for our health. I mean, in the book, Rath references um, a study from Harvard University that found that sugary drinks contribute to 180,000 deaths every single year. Drives me crazy. I used to work with this girl where every single morning, instead of a coffee, she would have a pop. And she goes, hey, I don't drink coffee. I don't want to get addicted to caffeine. I'll just drink a pop. I'm like, what are you talking about? What is wrong with you? You know, I kind of feel bad for these people because it's just they don't know what they don't know. Sugar's addictive, which means it should also be treated like a drug. And it's important to keep it under control so it doesn't control us. I mean, I'll tell you a very quick story here. I mean, I, I work out and I keep fit and I eat right and all that stuff. But you know what? I have cheat days. And cheat days, for those of you who don't know, is when you just go off your diet. You just, hell, you eat whatever the hell you want. And so I do that. And so I'll go nuts. And I'll, I'll have a pop. And I'll have a pop. And I'll have some cookies. I'll have some chips. I'll eat a pizza. And I'll just go nuts, right? I used to do that. I used to go crazy. But then what happens there is the next morning I wake up, I feel hungover. I feel hungover. I feel like I just went on an all-night bender. And I just feel sick. You know, my digestive system's messed up. You know, I'm 
I'm not going to go into details for you, but I feel sick the next morning because I put all that crap into my body. And yet the funny thing is, most of us are doing that every single day. We don't care what we're putting in our body. And the really sad thing here, though, too, is that it's so addictive because your brain gets excited and it releases dopamine when you eat sugar. And guess what? The same thing happens when you smoke a cigarette. And like cigarettes, the more sugar you eat, the more of it you crave. The more of it you eat, the more you crave, you also build a tolerance to it. Which means what? Which means, of course, you have to eat more sugar to experience the same pleasurable sensation. And so when you think about all this stuff, and I'm going on my big rant here, you see what a problem this stuff is. This stuff is making us fat. It's making us lazy. It's killing us. It's increasing our chances of heart disease. It's increasing our our chances of growing tumors. You know, remember this. If you remember anything from this, sugar is candy for cancer cells. Like, I'm not trying to preach to you guys or be ridiculous here, but for crying out loud, man, this stuff is serious. It's little choices that we make, the foods that we eat, making a really big difference in our lives. When you cut sugar, all of a sudden you stop craving it. And all of a sudden you start to loathe it. I hate sugar. You know, the sweetness of it. You know, the one thing I do like, I like eating honey. But you know what? When you start cutting a lot of the sugar, you start cutting that need for sweetness, all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier. But let me tell you, it, it's, it's funny because I always liken sugar to a drug because it's so true. Because when you start to get off of, of sugar, of the sweet stuff, you know, my mouth waters still when I see a Coca-Cola commercial. I see those bubbling, you know, whatever, the, the fizzing bubbles of, of uh, the Coca-Cola. My mouth waters. Like, how messed up is that? That my body craves that stuff. You know, it's like you got to go to rehab. Sometimes you just crave it. You want to eat that chocolate bar. You want to have that Coca-Cola. It's just so refreshing, the bite of it. Like, I hope that I'm not getting you, you know, going here and you're going to go grab a Coca-Cola. Throw that crap out. Throw it out right now. You know, it it tastes like garbage. Don't do it, you guys. But, uh, you know, in summary here, I know I'm kind of going long on this rant here. This stuff is killing us, you guys. It's killing us, and you got to get off it. And let me tell you, I know how hard it is. I mean, I was in the same position. I used to drink, I used to drink Coca-Cola and eat a lot of these sugary snacks and st- such, and I have kind of an addictive personality. You know, when I get started on something, I go deep into it. I go for it. You know, so when I like chocolate, man, do I eat chocolate. You know, the good dive of chocolate. It tastes so good. But you got to stop it, you guys, because it's killing you. Candy for cancer cells, you guys. The one takeaway from this, you know, that Wrath really points out is that you really need to cut sugar out because it's a serious, serious health hazard. It needs to be treated like a drug, like a drug, because it is. And what it is, it's an acceptable drug, a drug that society has deemed acceptable. Well, you guys, we all know how messed up society can be sometimes. Sugar is one of those things that we're all so that we're all so okay with. We're fine with it. Well, we shouldn't be fine with it. We should have a really, really big problem with it. And I really hope that at the end of listening to this episode, you maybe think twice about sugar. And you think twice about putting sugar in your coffee. You think twice about putting the creamer in your coffee. And you start looking at the labels and you start to realize, man, I'm eating my body weight and then some in sugar every single year. You know what? If I want to live longer, if I want to be healthier, I have to make a concerted effort to cut it out. And God knows it's not easy, you guys. It's not easy, but it's the, it's the challenge. Start making small little improvements. Start making small cuts. You don't have to go from, you know, 100 to zero. Go from 100 to 75 and from 75 to 50, from 50 to 25 and from 25 to 5. You're not going to cut out sugar completely. I have sugar in my diet all the time, but the key is you're cutting it out and you're making concerted effort to do so. 
So the only thing I can say to that is best of luck to you in doing that because it's very, very difficult. The odds are stacked against you, but it's possible, you guys. It's possible just to make better changes. And I hope that after listening to this, you do make better changes. All right, my friends, there we have it. That's Eat, Move, Sleep. How Small Choices Lead to Big Changes by Tom Rath. I love this book. Really, really love this book. It gives us all a very important reminder of some very important things that we have in our life. We have control over and things that we can do to increase the quality of our life. Sleeping more, cutting sugar out, by moving more throughout the day, all these things, by making all these small improvements can ensure that we live a healthier, happier, longer life. And that's my goal for all of you guys. I want you guys to be listeners for a really long time, and I want to be here for a long time. And so we got to do what we can to increase our chances of being here as long as we possibly can. And so I really hope that, uh, you know, as corny as that may sound, that you guys, you know, you heed some of this advice, and you guys do try to make some small changes in your life. And if you do, let me know. You guys, I'm personally connected to a lot of you guys, and I know a lot of you guys, you guys reach out to me on LinkedIn, you guys know who you are, you reach out to me on Twitter, you reach out to me through email, some of you guys text me as well too, and I appreciate every single one of you guys. So if you listen to this episode and you're going to put some of these things into practice, let me know guys. I'd love to hear how some of these changes impacted you and I'd love to share that with everybody else listening on the podcast. All right, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in again today. Like I said, guys, it always, always, always means a lot that you guys are here, you guys are downloading this. If you guys can do me a really big favor... Can you guys tell just one person about the show? Tell just one person about the show. And maybe uh, maybe it's this episode. Maybe it's a previous episode you listened to. But just share this with them. Send them an email. Send them a text message. Let them know to download Cut the Crap Podcast. And, uh, you know, just share the good news with them. Because that's my mission. My mission is to continue connecting this podcast with people all around the world. And right now we're in uh, 82 countries around the world. And we're averaging about 40,000 downloads an episode. And, you know, it's really great to see those numbers continue to climb. And it just excites me. And just to see the potential of the podcast. We've only been doing this for about a year. Actually, it's it's a year yesterday. You know, this is published on Monday, the 16th, and I started the podcast on uh, January 15th, 2016. So it's been officially a year. So happy birthday to Cut the Crap Podcast. And, uh, you know, I couldn't have done it without all you guys. So continue to share this podcast with your friends, um, your family, your peers, your coworkers. And if you guys can do me another really big favor, go on to iTunes. Go on iTunes and rate and review the podcast. It means so much to me that for those of you guys who have done that. And uh, like I said, I read every single one of them. So if you guys can take five minutes out of your day to go to iTunes, search for Cut the Crap Podcast, rate and review it, I would greatly appreciate it. If you have questions about it and you don't know how, feel free to email me, ryan.calajury at me.com, and I'd be happy to help you guys out there. In any case, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in again this week. I can't wait to get back here next week with a brand new book and brand new Golden Nuggets. You guys have an awesome, productive week. Take it easy. I love you guys. You can do this. Just got to believe you can. There's some things I'm not taking with me in the new year. Everything that's inflexible and everything that's not ready and everything that's backwards and everything that's negative and everything that's condescending and everything that's carnal and everything that's holding me back, I refuse to take it over into another year and waste another new year with an old mind. Don't shake yourself around the comings and goings of this world. 
shape your opinions and your attitudes around circumstances that you cannot change. If you go into another year and waste another year with the old mentality while somebody's in the hospital begging God for the opportunity that you have right now, you better step into this moment. As soon as you decide to stop looking for answers in other people and miracles somewhere down the yellow brick road and click the heel of your mind, you could have been free years ago. If you can get your mind out, you can get your money out. You can get your family out. You can get your job out. You can get your career out. You can get your health out. You can get your prosperity out. If you can get your mind out, no devil in hell, no weapon formed against you, no enemy that hates you, no witch that hates you can stop you from being free. If you can get your mind out, grab yourself by the head and say, we're coming out of there. Tell them I'm coming out head first.